about to listen to a sermon from Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church. As a church, we want to see whole communities captivated by Jesus Christ and living out His freedom. So our Bible reading, as you can see, is John chapter 6, 25 to 40. So let's read this together. This is the reading that follows on from the miracle that Jesus performed of the feeding of the 5,000. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Let's pray and ask that the Lord will lead us as we look at this passage together. Father, we do pray that you will lead and guide us now. Open up your word to us, we pray, that we may understand it in its full depth, this whole conversation that we've just read. Uh, Lord, open our eyes to understand who you are and what you have to offer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in the Gospel of John, he tells us that the miracles of Jesus are signs. What do the signs point to? Now, some signs can be pointless. And here are some signs that I found quite amusing. Um, So this sign here, caution, water on road during rain. Uh, (laughs) Quite like these ones. If the door does not open, do not enter. Um, Yeah, state prison next exit. (laughs) 
And really an obvious one to me was do not breathe underwater. Yeah, pretty good. Um, you wouldn't want an emergency in this one, would you? <laughs> Don't worry, there's a phone 174 kilometres ahead. Uh, I thought I'd just throw this one in because it's, it's pretty relevant. Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the Roselle Interchange. <laughs> but this is the one I like most of all, actually, this one here. Um, touching wire causes instant death. $200 fine. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But not so with the signs, of, of the signs performed by Jesus. Before feeding the, uh, the 5,000, Jesus had performed a great number of signs. In fact, we're told in verse 2 that the reason a great crowd had followed him across to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee was because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. They're in a desolate place, there's no food. There are so many people that more than half a year's wages would only provide uh, you know, a, a scrap of food for each person. And there was nowhere to buy food anyway. Is Jesus taken by surprise? Not at all. The whole scene is under Jesus' control. See, the end of verse 6 tells us Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. This is an opportunity for Jesus to perform a miracle that will point clearly to who he is and what he has to offer. So Jesus sat the crowd down in an orderly manner. He gave thanks for the food, which was provided by a very resourceful child. Uh, just five small loaves and two small fish, and he distributed to all the people. Everyone had as much as they wanted, and the disciples gathered up the leftovers, and there were 12 basketfuls. Amazing. But what does this miraculous sign meant to tell us? Where does it point? And I want to share with you three things, and it'll be a bit like digging a hole. The first Two are going to be recalling the things that James shared with us last week. So if you were at church here last week, James actually spoke on that miracle last week. Uh, but we're going to dig a little bit deeper today. So we'll start with a shallow dig as something that just jumps out at us as soon as we hear that story. And then we'll dig, a, we'll dig deeper and find the real significance of this miracle. It'll unfold for us into things that are more significant and more beautiful. So the shallow dig first. An obvious truth here is that Jesus can meet the needs of his people. We all live with so much. We are probably the wealthiest generation that's ever lived. Do we thank him? He is the one who provides us with all that we have. The food on our plates, the clothes on our back, the houses we live in. Do we thank God? Be thankful in all circumstances. God is amazingly generous. The fact that in this miracle there was more left over than when they started shows us that Jesus can meet all our needs with overflowing abundance. It teaches us that we can turn to him in our need and trust that he can provide what even seems impossible. Don't be afraid to ask. He delights in giving us good things. So whatever you need, take it to him. He is our great provider. Same for us as a church. 
Let's not be afraid to ask him, even for what may seem impossible. But if that is all that this story pointed to, then I think we'd be like the people in this, parable, in this, in this miracle story here. The only thing they could see in the miracle was that their bellies were full. So let's dig a little deeper. And to do that, we need to go back to the Old Testament. So I've asked Karen to bring us a second reading, and it is Exodus chapter 16. So Karen, if you can come up now, and you can use this mic that's here. And we're going to read Exodus 16, 2 to 5, and then 13 to, 13 to 16. Miss this one here then, Karen, thanks. And this is the story of uh, the miraculous feeding of the Israelites in the desert. Yeah, so thanks, Karen. Um, so, 16, verse 2. Exodus 16, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my, my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And this is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Then we're going to please turn to Exodus 13 to 16. That evening, quail came down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there, lay, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is this? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Thank you. <clears throat> so it would have been better if you left us as slaves in Egypt. At least we had some food there, rather than dying here of starvation in the desert. So what did God do? The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. God fed them miraculously. Every morning, the people could go out and gather in as much bread as they wanted. Moses was the great prophet of the Old Testament that led God's people from slavery, across the Red Sea, through the wilderness, into the Promised Land. But before his death, Moses said that God would raise up a prophet like him. Listen to what Moses said in Deuteronomy 18.15. The Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Jesus performed this miracle as a clear and unambiguous sign that he is the prophet 
the new Moses who leads his people to victory, but greater than Moses. For Moses just followed the Lord's commands. Moses didn't perform any miracles. Jesus himself, like God, multiplied the food and miraculously fed his people. Now those who saw Jesus perform this miracle got the meaning. You see verse 14, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. They immediately identified Jesus as the prophet who was to come. They were right. But also notice how quickly they got it wrong. Jesus, knowing they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. See, the miracle tells us that Jesus is the promised one who will save his people. All God's great purposes will be fulfilled in Jesus. But he hasn't come to establish an earthly kingdom the way that these people were hoping for. Their vision was way too limited, too worldly. Jesus has come to establish a kingdom that is far, far greater to establish the kingdom of God, a heavenly kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God has arrived with Jesus. And all who follow Jesus belong to his kingdom. And the sign tells us what the kingdom is like. It's a glorious kingdom of overflowing abundance. The bread is just a symbol of all that God provides for his people who belong to his kingdom. Your king has come. Make him your king. But let's dig a bit deeper and get to the bottom of this sign. And to do that, we have to look at the long conversation that takes up the rest of this chapter. Now, part of that conversation is printed in your service sheets, and I read to you already. But you'll need to open your Bibles, actually, at chapter 6, uh, page 600, 865, page 865, if, to follow the whole of this conversation. It's a long conversation, goes right to, to verse 70. Uh, we didn't read all of that, but you can open your Bibles to uh, John chapter 6, page 865, if you're following in the Pew Bibles. Straight after feeding the 5,000, Jesus performs another miracle. Jesus has gone into the mountain on his own. So the disciples head back by boat to Capernaum without him. It's the middle of the night and a great storm rises. And suddenly Jesus approaches them walking on the water. They're terrified. Why does Jesus do this at that moment? Well, maybe just as Moses led the Israelites across the Red Sea, maybe Jesus meets them in this way to show them that he is the one greater than Moses who will lead his people from slavery and death into his kingdom. They can believe in him. The next day, the crowds go in search of Jesus and they find him in Capernaum. They don't understand how he got there. Jesus knew what drove them. It's because they ate loaves and fishes and they were full. They were focused on food. But Jesus now raises the conversation to a whole new level. For the conversation that follows is no longer about food that keeps our physical bodies alive, bread, fish, but food of a different nature, spiritual food that gives us eternal life, food 
that really matters. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. They asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? What a great question. What must we do? What does God require of you? What does God require of me, of us, of anyone? And the answer is simple and profound. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who he has sent. What does God require of you, of me, of anyone? Believe in Jesus. That is what God requires. Jesus then refers back to the story we read in Exodus chapter 16. But notice how Jesus lifts our eyes off physical bread that their ancestors ate in the wilderness to the true bread that brings eternal life. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. No wonder they ask Jesus, Sir, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you want this bread? Then come to Jesus. Do you want this bread? Then you believe in Jesus. Now we work hard to provide for ourselves and our families, to put food on the table, a roof over our heads, but we must not let that be our preoccupation, as if that's all that matters. For so many people, that is all that matters. People live for things that will perish. They give the best years of their life up for things that are, are, are worth little. We work, we work, we work to fill ourselves up with things that will perish. Jesus offers us so much more. And he offers it freely to us when we believe. I am the bread of life. Eat this bread and you will live forever. Come to me. Believe in me. And you will have eternal life. Look at these words of Jesus here. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh and I will give which I will give for the life of the world. Now, despite the miracle that Jesus has performed, the crowds still struggle to understand how Jesus can be the bread of life. Isn't he Joseph's son? Don't we know his parents? He's just a human being like us. And therein actually lies the mystery of Jesus that we celebrated at Christmas time. God the Son came down from above, from heaven, born as one of us, 
Jesus is the living bread that came down from heaven. Now we've dug deeply to explore this sign. What does this miracle point to? And we see that at the deepest level, it's not really about bread. It's about the body of Jesus and feeding on him. See the last line again there. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus is already looking to the cross. On the cross, he will give up his flesh. He will die for the life of the world. It will be by dying in our place on the cross that Jesus will rescue us and secure eternal life for us. It is by trusting in his death for us, through faith in him, that he will live forever. Now, our reading ended at verse 40. But the conversation recorded in John 6 continues. So hopefully your Bibles are open there. You'll see that in the next verses, Jesus uses striking and dramatic language to describe what it looks like to eat the bread of life. Have a look at what Jesus says. I've just put a few verses up there. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. I love that phrase there. It doesn't say you won't have eternal life. It actually says you have no life in you. You are spiritually dead. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Ah, Now some people have said, oh this is just referring to communion, to the Lord's Supper. But the language here of Jesus is metaphorical. We use language like this all the time, don't we? But we don't mean it literally. You know, we devour books. You know, we swallow stories. We ruminate on ideas. We chew over matters. You know, we, we eat our own words. Uh, Jesus uses this language to make the point loud and clear. On the cross, Jesus gives up his flesh and sheds his blood for us. His flesh and his blood is life for us. We look to the cross and feed on him through faith. It's not a reference to the Lord's Supper, but it is what we say at communion, isn't it? When we distribute the bread, we say, eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts through faith. Let's finish now by looking at the two opposite reactions to the words of Jesus in verses 60 to 70. Who do you identify with? At the beginning of the story, the crowds could not get enough of Jesus. They pursued him around the Sea of Galilee in droves, many thousands of them. He fed them in the wilderness. Then when he crossed the Sea of Galilee back to Capernaum, there they were again. But at the end... They deserted him. Verse 66. In that verse there, the words disciples here should not be confused with the 12 disciples. The word disciples just there means just those that were following him. They found Jesus' words offensive. What was, 
why was Jesus' teaching so offensive to them? Maybe they were only interested in food or the miracles or a political messiah that would lead a revolt. Maybe they were offended at Jesus' claim that he was greater than Moses or that he'd come down from heaven. Or maybe the language of Jesus eating, eating his flesh and drinking his blood, you know, particularly given the Jews were not permitted to, to drink blood or even eat meat with blood in it. Jesus knew that the crowds would fall away. And I think Jesus intentionally spoke in this way to test their genuineness. He knew the Spirit of God was not at work in their lives. He wants disciples who will trust him, who are born of the Spirit, who will persevere and continue in his word. If these people fell away at this point, what would they have done in 12 months' time when Jesus was arrested and crucified? Jesus refuses to be their popular leader. He will not give them what they want and they don't want to receive what Jesus has to give them. We meet so many people, even at church, who are attracted by the things of Jesus. But when they discover that when Jesus says, follow me, he means, give your whole life to me, make me your Lord, make me your first priority, no matter the cost, too hard. And they drift away. And I pray that will not be your reaction. I pray that your response will be like that of Peter's. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. listening to the Newtown Erskineville Anglican Church podcast. For more audio content and information about our church, please visit neac.com.au.